The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. What's up, dude? What's up, old buddy? Consequence Podcast Network. And welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org, Consequence, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you, as always, for making your way here, checking out the episode. Uh, I hope you subscribe to the series. I put out three new interviews every single week, new and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones. You can do so with all the usual spots, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, Podchaser, NPR, WFPK.org, Audible, Red Circle, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest, The Lone Bellow. Going to be talking with Zach, Kaneen, and Brian about their brand new record called Love Songs for Losers. We'll discuss the uh, the small town American opioid crisis that plays into the lead single Gold, taking some inspiration from Mellencamp's Jack and Diane as well as uh, Springsteen. Uh, they're also going to tell us about self-producing the record in Roy Orbison's former house and the uh, the spirits that inhabit that space. Uh, writing about family, and we'll hear how the song Dreaming, lovely song, actually has a little bit of a backdrop of, uh, of Brian getting uh, beaten up and lost in New York City. Uh, all that and a whole lot more. It's a fun one. Let's talk about love songs for losers. It's Kyle Meredith with The Lone Bellow. Hello. It's great to see you all again. You got a new record. Yeah. Now, this is some good stuff. Uh, love Songs for Lovers. I mean, I'm, I'm always a fan of what you all do. Oh, Love Songs for Losers. Losers. What did I say? Yeah. Lovers? Yeah. So that makes a difference right there, because Love Songs for Lovers <laughs> is very different from Love Songs for Losers. <laughs> it could be lovers that are losers as well. Loser Songs for Lovers is... Yeah. Loose, loose songs. Loose songs. Uh, anyway, it's such a good record. Um, I really mean that uh, every single time. But this this one seems extra special. Dude, thank you. That means a lot. And coming off the hills, I, I was looking back because uh, it wasn't until I was reading maybe as a press release or, or something like that, but talking about like, you know, doing a record like this even after 10 years. And I thought, holy cow, has it been almost 10 years since we met each other on the roof in Austin? That was like a decade ago. That's kind of insane to me. It was so hot. I still remember how hot it was. And I still have the free headphones they gave us. Oh, I do too. Oh, so do I. We all walk. I don't think we were supposed to walk out of there with those, but we all still have them. I so that's. Those. I use them all the time. I think I have a new pair. <laughs> Are you listening, Sony? Are you listening? Are you watching? Sony, our record label. We need to take everything we can from them. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but seriously. All right. Love songs for losers. Um, wait, let, let's start there because it, it is a funny title. I know that might be an obvious point, but uh, but where did that come from? Who came up with that one? Well, 
you know, it was the working title in the studio while we were making the record. I had, I had written love songs down. Um, and then Kaneen like walked by one day and just wrote for losers. And after we made the record, oh, yeah, after we made the record and we were like mixing it and stuff, um, we were trying to figure out what we were going to name it. We had a few other names and they just like, they just were not as strong as that. And um, yeah, it stuck. And I think one of the reasons that it stuck is because there's some like honest love songs on this record, which as you know, we haven't done that much of. We've, you know, we've, we've, we've written love songs, but sometimes they're a little harder to read between the lines. Whereas this one is just like, bam, here we go. Um, and then we definitely see ourselves as the losers in this situation. So um, yeah, so it was like, let's name the record this for us. This is our inside joke. And then now it's everyone's inside joke. <laughs> but at some point, does it, well, I should say, does it have to represent like the songs a as a group in, in that sense? I think there's a, a theme. Yeah, there's I'm a little like... there's a little thread. They're not all love songs. I mean, the first single that we released when the label was like, this is the single, we were like, no, <laughs> did you listen carefully to the words? Um, you know, but anyway. Yeah. Well, and and uh, we'll go ahead and bring that one up then. Um, gold for everything that it's not in what we're talking about, it still becomes a powerful song. And and maybe I'm generalizing. And of course, I am taking a little bit from what I've read so far. But how the uh, how the opioid crisis sort of becomes part of this? I'm. It's something that it, it, it like I'm from a small town in Kentucky, and when I go back there, man, it is. It's you know you just see it everywhere. Yeah, yeah, well, ours too. Yeah, ours too. And I and I think that's why we wrote this song from the perspective of someone like addicted to opioids and and caught in the storm of it all and then just like trying to maybe revisit the small town america story but like where it's at currently so that's what was like main street on the auction block kind of thing um yeah but for some reason like the gold the way the person like lending the pin to the person that's in the addiction he's actually sees it's it's kind of hopeful in a weird way. Like he sees the gold and where he's from, and that maybe it's not maybe it's not over for them. Maybe there's a, a good future for him. You know what I mean? So I've always seen like him. Maybe there's another side of it. You know what I mean? But yeah. it's funny because we wrote it together, and I always saw the gold as like it's in my blood. It's in the water. It's calling me. I could leave. I know I oughta, but there's gold in them hills. So I always saw the gold as the opioid. Um, as the drug, as the addiction, but you saw it differently. I just have so much respect. Like it's happening more now, but like we always all thought we had to move to New York City or Nashville or LA to like make it. And I feel like it's it's spreading out to where like there's people in Augusta, Georgia, or Knoxville, Tennessee, and hopefully that spreads out to small towns because we do have the internet, and we can go that. So like maybe there is a future there. So like like I feel like that that person is one of those people that wants to stay and see it better, even though they're like in the middle of it. You know what I mean? Um, but you know, it's funny how two people write it. And if we, the other writer, he'd probably have a different perspective too, you know? 
<laughs> no, he has no perspective. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's such an interesting Curtis sort of. I'm gonna go off. I'm gonna go further into this hole just for a moment, if you all will. But almost the uh, what do we call it, the sociological part of this too, because. Because I see the people who they know the culture is bad around them, but of course they won't leave. Maybe because there's the Golden Hills, but you know, for whatever reason, it's like you know, it's 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 the toxic relationship. And but I appreciate this. Like nothing wrong with a song like Jack and Diane and that version mm -hmm. of Small Town America. But yeah, but this is so much more honest and real. And and how it happens, you know, as its own sort of sociological study. Uh, you know, because you know the the heartland is supposed to be. You know the easy going part, but this is the stuff that grips it. It feels like even yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah, and we definitely had the Jack and Diane in mind, and also um, I'm always thinking Small Town Saturday Night. Yeah, and Bruce Springsteen. You know, it's also like what you're saying too. Like, like if you watch some of someone's documentaries about the opioid crisis and how, like, how, like, um, this the Sackler family, like, like they literally like pick these small places to start trying their drug out. It's crazy, and I don't want to get into all that because it's it's not supposed to be like a political thing. But but I think I think I think like it is it is a fun it's it's a good thing for us to like be thinking about like is this how to how to how can we get to the other side of it for sure. Sorry, I lost train of thought for a second. Sorry. Anyway, all that aside, it's a beautiful song, and there are beautiful songs all throughout this record. Uh, can you know bring up yours while we're here because cost of living, you know, oh, is another one of those. It probably I don't know just the title of it you know could be co-opted into the conversation that we're talking about here but how does that fit within the record within within all the stuff that we're discussing oh i mean that song really fits in with the whole loser title because i think it's just about being blindsided by something that you should have seen coming and trying to like hold on to things that you should really let go of and you know, I have a few of those things uh, that I struggle with, but um, yeah, that's it's kind of one of those songs just about like grief and trying to move on, but not wanting to move on from the thing that really made your life feel like it was worth living. See, that's not so far away from what we're talking about with people getting stuck in small towns. Like it's that connection. But again, there's that sort of toxic relationship with with how we have relationships with anything, I think, but... Oh, we're really good at toxic relationships. <laughs> Toxicity. We, we actually celebrate that. That's a, that's a love language. Yes. <laughs> and we'll be right back right after this. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky, in the Midwest, and allergies, yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. And around here, everyone I know deals with allergies to some degree. And for a long time, I thought it was just something that I would have to live with, which is a real problem um, for anything, but especially when you're a radio host. It affects my voice. It affects my mood. It affects everything. And I feel like I've tried every, I've tried all the medicines. Some of them work better than others, but there's, there's never a perfect one out there, especially because some of them take forever to actually work and some of them don't work at all. And then there's Astapro, the fastest solution to nasal allergy symptoms. 
It's what I use now, and it's definitely changed my life. Astapro is the first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Uh, Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. With all the pollen in the air, with all the dust around the the corners of the house, uh, even with uh, the allergies I have from my dog, Astapro has been the nasal spray that has helped me with all of my allergies. And it can help you too. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with The Lone Bellow. What was I reading? Of course, this is self-produced, but can he, what was it that you're also like in charge of, of vocals is, is like, is that different than, than how you've done it in the past? Like putting someone sort of as the point person? Yeah. I mean, I, um, I've always wanted to vocal produce the group in a, in a more, uh, I don't know, just authoritative way. <laughs> that was the right Most, attitude. <laughs> I'd say like in the studio, everybody has a capacity for different things that they'll like go down a rabbit hole forever and it's like brian will chase the guitar tone for 10 hours while everyone else Everything is like hey man can you like do something else so vocals he does not have that patience for but i do and i will i i think the the beautiful thing after singing with people for over 10 years is that you know all of these intricacies of their vocals and what they can do and um i really just wanted to plumb those depths and get the best takes that i know that they're capable of if they just try <laughs> so that was fun authoritative <laughs> yeah i think that's it's it's almost extra interesting that you're doing this in roy orbison's former house because you've got one of the greatest vocalists of all time and you're talking about vocals and how did that play the parts in all of this? Because I'm just, I'm sure that's its own aura in itself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we were given his house for several weeks to make this record. And I mean, it, there's such a spirit there. I mean, first of all, it's, it's the second house that the same builds are built. The first house was the one that, that burned down that is that is uh sons died in the fire i can't believe that he was like called the same guy and was like hey we build me another one um but it was also you know it's right next to johnny cash's burned down house <laughs> who the same guy also built that one um and it just it it had just so much power um it was like a it's like a 6,000 square foot cabin basically on, on the lake. And it used to be the pool house and is just really, really beautiful during the day and peaceful and then really creepy and at night, um, which was a great, just yin and yang. 
And we all spent the night there. We all stayed there for a couple of weeks. It was, it was awesome. We got all in it. Just lean into the whole feeling of it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I want to hit also on a couple of the tracks here. The, the, uh, the album opens up with, uh, with honey. And as I read again about how it's like your wife, uh, didn't like to be called honey or babe. Did the song unicorn kind of make up for that? Did that, did that balance it out? Yeah. She loves being called the unicorn. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, the first time she heard the lyrics to Honey, she was like, oh, you're finally being honest about something. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. She's a spicy meatball. Um, but uh, she... She loved Unicorn from the very first second she heard it. I was playing like the really bad demo in the car while we were driving somewhere. And she was like, who is this? And I was like, it's Alone Bella, it's me. She was like, wait, I like this song. I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> so because all your other ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so she, she loves honey and unicorn and um and uh when big nice nice to have that in your back pocket always as a talent yeah well and bring it up during an argument or whatever yeah <laughs> and, and, and one more song uh, dreaming this song sounds like it could have came from a different era like there's something there's ma there's magic in that song too where did that come from we we me and zach wrote that song Years and years ago in L.A. during a, a thunderstorm in L.A. It was a monsoon. In Phoenix. I was in L.A. It was in L.A. Anyway, I remember the time. We were, we were Phoenix, Hollywood, too. We were Hollywood, too, at the same, the same time in this Airbnb. Anyway, it sat in the Dropbox. It's one of my favorite things that happens on a record, honestly. It sat in the Dropbox forever. And I was always, every time. We had a completely different melody. Yeah, yeah. Every time a record we start talking about doing a record, I will bring it back up because I love the song. And I love how honest the verses are and just how like conversational they are. And it's no, there's no like prose or anything. It's just like conversational. Um, and uh, the first week I was in the house, because we had the house for like eight weeks and we did it. There's there like three records made while, while we had the house. But um, the first night I was at the house, I was playing that song and I played it that way. And it was like, almost like, almost like Roy was like, play it this way. And I was like, I, I really loved it. I didn't even want to share it with them because I thought they'd say no. And I was like, I think we should record this song. And they both were like, yes, of course. I was like, oh, wow. Okay, great. Because I thought it was so special. Um, the song's always been so special because it just, it just, encapsulates this picture of New York in my mind and almost like how you live there and you live like you're gone and you, but you still like can taste it and see it and smell it um sometimes you know what I mean like any city any place you've left you still can all the all the feelings can can wash over you and whenever I hear that song it just reminds me of walking on a uh, getting lost in New York City and finding love and all everything you know what i mean and so, so many things happened to you while you were lost in new york City. oh man so many things. Dude, <laughs> my, my favorite thing in new york was like just starting at a bar and getting lost that was my favorite thing yeah well, well i mean we could go down the list there was like the poop on the rail uh, but that was my that was a homeless no guy one need, no one wants and then there was uh, 
falling asleep on the soups and the guy taking your money. No, I went to I went to, I got beat up by some cops. Beat up by cops. Yeah, what? Yeah. Hit yeah. by two taxis. I got hit by a couple of taxis. Yeah, you got doored a lot. And and there's the dreaming quality, the lovely New York. And he comes back with black and blue and <laughs> anything bad is something wrong with my brain. I only remember good things. So I I, I don't I even think it's about really this kind of stuff. Literally just rose colored glasses in my mind. Right, right. That's so backwards because we're 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 wired to remember the bad things so we don't do it. Like it's we don't it's rare that we remember the good things. If you're not you're working against evolution here, I think is what I'm getting at. <laughs> Like whatever was between like the cave. We reached the zenith, and then Brian is like the you know the day. I still grunted. I still grunted people and expected to understand me. <laughs> oh, I love it. You know what? I'm so glad you guys stuck with that track, and for whatever had to happen to you, that's uh, it is a beautiful one. Um, and so much on here. Hey, Zach, I'll close up with this too. You'd released a record recently too. Did you find that that had an influence on on how you? approach this record does does doing as you know a solo one like that have any effect for sure i think just um it's funny actually the the guy that i talked to about this was jim james i think it made the work that we do together like my ideas were like a little less precious and i was able to actually like see and hear my my co-creators in a way that maybe I didn't allow myself to do in past records. Um, and I think it also just like, I don't know if I would have agreed to us self-producing it if I hadn't like done that little solo thing. Cause it just like shook the dust a little bit. It's so hard. I've all, I mean, I've, I've been a very proponent for him to make the record for a long time because we put, you know, we make 15 songs every two, three years. That's not that's not fair for a songwriter. Mm. Like you got to put other stuff out, and then coming back to this one, I could tell a a, a thing because he was just like game for whatever. It was really fun. It was um not that he wasn't. It was just a different vibe altogether because he mm. felt like he had he's he was planting those seeds elsewhere where they should be. You know. Mm. So yeah. Well, again, everything that's led into it. This is one of my favorite albums that you guys have done so far, and I really mean that. So. And it's got one of the best titles. Let's say it correctly. Love Songs for Losers. Yes. We're going to stick the landing here at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, thank you so much for uh, for catching up again. Uh, it's always great to see you all. Congrats on this one. I really mean it. Thanks. Right on. We'll see you in Louisville, bud. Thanks, Kyle. All right, man. Now I'm going to include a couple other interviews that I've had with Lone Bellow through the years. Uh, this first one will go back to uh, to 2017. Uh, this uh, interview came after a couple years in an upheaval. Uh, after their 2015 record, then came the morning. What seemed like nonstop touring, uh, the trio found themselves in need of downtime and a gut check as to whether they even wanted to continue. So a change of scenery was prescribed with the idea of moving the whole band to Nashville which uh, might not seem like that big of a deal until you take into account that each of them had families to relocate. So, so once they get that all done, the band hit the studio with Dave Cobb uh, getting another surprise during the recording. So let's do this part two of Kyle Meredith with The Lone Bellow. It doesn't actually feel all that long ago that the last record came, but I guess it's, it has now. It's been like two years, right? It's been forever. <laughs> it's been way too long. <laughs> 
yeah, this process took a while of making this record. I think that's one of the reasons why it felt so long. <laughs> what, what 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 happened? I mean, I mean, I guess I'm looking for the timeline at the beginning here because it just didn't even seem like you guys had any downtime this time around. But is but I guess you did. Like, when did the last record end, and and what happened? Why was it such a long process? Well, um, for one, we we all moved down to nashville tennessee so everybody moved their their families down and that was just a huge transition personally for everyone and then just trying to figure out who to make the record with and where and um you know we ended up going with uh with dave cobb down at this place rca studios in nashville once the record was finished and we were ready to release it canine announced to the band that she was pregnant which is awesome. So we put everything on hold so that she could, you know, be healthy, have the baby. And um, he's here now. And he's going to be on the road with us somehow. <laughs> so we'll figure all that out. Maybe it wasn't that long of, ago. It was just so much life has happened. So it's yeah. felt that way. I mean, you grew a beard. That's a lot of life in that beard. There is a lot of beard there yeah, in those pictures. <laughs> yeah, I grew it and shaved it. It came and went. It's already it's like gone. A bad habit. What was the reason to head down to Nashville, and and especially, I mean, you're you're not kidding. To move, just you, you know, you're in your family to do a move is usually a big undertaking. To move multiple families, what was the conversation that led you guys to say, and let's uproot everything and everybody? <clears throat> well, we've been going, we've been touring pretty hard for a few years, and um, I've got four little ones. I have three little girls and a boy. And um, I just started having some conversations with some fellow musicians and just hearing some rumors of how logistically it's just Nashville, I mean, and Louisville for that matter, are just located in the country, just in a, a better place to tour from than Brooklyn. So let's say Nashville is like the centerpiece of a flower and you drew five petals around it. And those five pedals were like five tour routes that you could do in America, not including California. You you can basically be like an overnight drive away from your family almost anywhere in the country. Yeah. So you can spend a lot more time home. And it was it was it was reaching that point of just I was like, man, you know, I, I'm grateful for the work I get to do. I'm grateful for music. I'm grateful for being able to tour. But I don't want to have an unhealthy balance here. And uh, I don't know. I, I guess like when, when my kids get old enough, I want to be able to tell them that I did everything I could to be there and to know them. So that was, that was it for me. And it was really difficult leaving Brooklyn. It's still difficult right now. We had such an incredible community of people there that we have been through hell and high water with that are all still there. So we're just taking it a day at a time. I get that from your writing a lot because, you know, the one thing I've connected with you and your lyrics is always about the complexities of relationships. Um, that's, it seems to be, I don't know what I, like I said, what I get from it. I don't know if that's how you feel about your own writing that, you know, is a, is a, a general theme that you hit on, you know, and maybe that's, yeah, a really broad term anyway, because maybe every theme is about the complexities of relationships. <laughs> but is that what works its way into these songs as well? Like, I get that from the title track. I even get that from, uh, you know, the first single, too. 
Yeah, I mean, we had <clears throat> we went through a thing with with Brian that's in the band where he needed to get some. He just needed to get some some help and get off the road for a little while. And um, that was during the time that we were supposed to be making the record, and we had to make this decision to put our health and friendship in front of even like the studio that we had already, they had set aside their time for us to make the record there for like 30 days. Dave Cobb was ready to go. He's a very busy producer. I mean, right after us, I think he had like Stapleton and then Isbell, right. like bam, bam. And he was just really gracious with us and, and, and we figured it out. But I think that just going through those trials and tribulations of, of friendship and, and even, you know, even like work and trying to pay the bills and putting your buddy's well-being in front of that, I think made it into these songs a little bit. And it was kind of just like a gut check of do we still truly care about each other and the people that we get to sing in front of? So I think I don't, maybe it's like a natural thing that happens in the human condition. But um, I'm really grateful that we had this like just this shift in our in our hearts and minds and we've been able to be off the road for a while since since Kaneen was having a little one so me and Brian actually like did solo stuff and I uh, just had a lot a lot of fun and we just we can't wait to get back to get back to it and it starts just in a few days yeah so. I mean that makes sense now when I look at the title walking into a storm because the word I center in on there is the word into which is mm. obviously something that you know <laughs> That's not that doesn't sound safe at all. That doesn't sound fun. <laughs> but yeah, it makes exactly. sense in your context. I think I mean there's another song on the record um called Deeper in the Water that's just about that same thing like here we go like walking out deeper into this river of of life and friendship and work and is it worth it is is what we're doing adding beauty to the world while we're alive or you know are we just creating white noise? And, uh, and I mean, I think that that's a question that in, anybody should, should ask themselves in any, not just line of work, but just like, you know, as a friend or a father or a husband or whatever, you know? So yeah, that, <clears throat> it's a pretty, it's a pretty heavy record. I mean, we had a blast making it. We ended up making it in like seven days and Cobb, Dave Cobb sat in on acoustic guitar on every track we all sat around in a circle and did it and um just just really truly had a blast there's a lot of fun songs i mean i think it's a radio single uh called time's always leaving that's um, the one we're playing yeah now. oh sweet thank you yeah and uh the live version of that has taken a different form and it kind of goes out into the ether of insanity <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah it's gonna it's gonna rule it's gonna be so fun just to see what people think and if uh you know it just sits with people yeah can't when, wait when i first heard that and I, I you know it's it's the interplay of the lead vocals and those background vocals dancing around each other like that was my first yeah. thought is that live version of it like oh that's gonna be fun and that snare drum that just drives a hammer through your forehead either it might be a good thing or a bad thing <laughs> Well, I'm always just so impressed by everything you guys do, and again, uh, this record from even just from the two tracks I've heard sounds so great. And we're looking forward to having you back in town, man. We really are. It's so much fun every single time. Dude, thank you. And I, I know I've said this to you before, but we we truly love Louisville. I mean, I don't say that about every town we go to. I promise. <laughs> we 
there's something special there. It's um, you guys have a real, a real beautiful thing going, and we feel it every time we're there. So thank you for, for helping support what we do. Oh, we're honored to do it. Yeah, it's our pleasure. All right, Zach, I'll let you get back to your coffee and uh, and new. All right, course. Kyle, I'll, I'll see you in a few days. All right, man, yeah. we'll do it. All right, man. All right, All right bye. bye. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. And then for part three, we'll head back to uh, 2015 uh, when I was speaking to the trio about their album, uh, Then Came the Morning. We also got into religion uh, and faith in music, uh, life on the road, and, uh, and metaphorical weather as well. Uh, so part three, Kyle Meredith with The Lone Bellow. The Lone Bellow, back with a uh, new record, Then Came the Morning. Congratulations. You Thank you. have made another small masterpiece. Oh, oh man. And at this point, you can quit, and I'm sure in 25 years, we'll be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame without ever trying anything again. Holy cow. <laughs> you been talking to my mom? Yeah, I have. <laughs> she says hi. She wrote cool. <laughs> Postcards and everything. No, uh, this is uh, such a cool record because I guess, you know, coming from the debut and everything and, and for what it meant and for all the places that it put you guys and, and what I mean is in, in those categorical boxes and everything, this one comes out and it's not that. Mm. Then came the morning. It doesn't seem like it's 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 the, you know the self-titled record. It seems like it's so different. Mm. Was that important to you guys? Was that actually on your mind to say yeah. we can't be that from the beginning? Yeah. yeah, we just wanted to rethink how we were playing our instruments, playing the acoustics, electrics, and like really like be intentional about our, the words we write, mm -hmm. the the melodies we sing, and the. The things we play, you know. So it even came down to the words, like even even yeah. beyond that, right? Yeah, I think so. And Brian made a hard line rule uh, about strumming, so there's like several <laughs> songs that I wanted to strum so badly. Yeah. It's like none. No sorry. No. All riffs. No, no. All. <laughs> no, not like that. You know, I, I just I just felt like it was like a lot of times, um, and it's a beautiful time in music that we came in. A lot of times. A lot of that um, space that's beautiful on songs that can really help build tension, yeah, are are just filled with, uh, you know, a strumming a guitar, which I love it. There's strumming on the record. It's just like sometimes it's almost like you wanna you wanna find another way to do it. Right. You know? Don't don't lead on the usual crutches. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, it did work out. And and I know. I mean, it's been talked about, talked about, talked about. You know, you guys were placed in the new full revival and everything. And that's the cool thing about this because it's not that. I, this is not a folk record. It's not a country record. It's not a rock record. You know, whatever it is, it's it's you know cool. And, and that's 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 what I said. Is you know to go into that and saying how do, I mean how do you not do that? How do you not fall into those the trap falls well, of, of of the stuff you know how to do? I mean one of the one of the things that was on our minds when we were working on all of the instrumentation and everything is we really just wanted each. Uh, each song to just like lend itself to whatever instrumentation wanted to be on there. So like sometimes that meant like French horn and flute. Um, but we had we had the um, the time to have some fun and really go down the rabbit holes together. The luxury of time. Yeah, it was. It time. And it was you know, amazing. Aaron Desner producing and almost becoming like the sixth member of the band. Yeah. 
wasn't too bad either. But he's not here tonight. No, he's no, not. He's going to be in the band. you got to put in the work. <laughs> uh, there has been a lot of time on the road. It didn't seem like there was a lot of downtime in between. Uh, you all have families. Was it to the point where you're going, do we have to do a second record? Because once you get off and you're there, it seems like now you know. You know, Before the second yeah. record comes out, now you know what it takes mm -hmm. to be in a band. Like, Was that hard? Was that difficult to say, let's keep going? I mean... We had like 40 songs that we had written that we were really excited about. Yeah. And the prospect of being able to go into the studio in a situation like at Dreamland with Aaron, it was really exciting. It didn't feel like work to me. It just felt like being a part of something. I was just like a piece of a little puzzle. Yeah. But as far as being away from everybody and, th mm -hmm. and stuff like that, like. Have you guys kind of figured out how to be a human being on the road when you're we, separated like that? Not quite. But I think we, we have, with our, with our significant others, our friends, mm -hmm. our community back home, we have figured out how to, um, how to like, um, our expectations are kind of in the right place for how to live life. So it's, it's a better than, we have to do everything. It's, right. it's better than that. It's like we kind of know what to expect and we can plan our lives and not just get caught up in a whirlwind kind right. of thing. I, there, there are two themes I know that stood out a lot to me on, on the new record that came in the morning. Uh, one of them is faith. And, and I, I, I listened to that, and what jumps out at me at first part is there was a time when a lot of bands would have, been, would have shied away from saying, you know, we have faith and we're going to sing it in a song. You know, there, there are lots of references throughout the record, sometimes close and sometimes very obvious. Did that ever play a part for you guys where, where you've ever thought, I don't know. Can we can we do biblical references? Can we do this or that? You know, was it was did that ever get you know? Were you ever afraid of that? I don't think you ever want fear to be a motivating factor when you're songwriting. Yeah. Um, I think we try to be honest and we try to write from what we really do believe. But also, you don't want to be at least some people do. I think, but us, we don't want to be polarizing for the sake of being polarizing. Um, so we are very intentional about how we talk about it um but yeah it's not something that i think has to do with fear because you don't come across as like a, it's not like a christian rock band or something like that no. I mean, this is something more very personal yeah yeah oh, just, <laughs> i love the grimace in that too. Like, it's like, <laughs> uh, you just gotta be yourself yeah um no not you would get really really bored <laughs> just singing the songs over and over again mm -hmm. if you don't believe in them just be like why am I leaving my kids three weeks at a time? Like it just wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't pan out. I would need to do something else with my life. There's a lot of weather on this record too. <laughs> there's storms, there's cold, <laughs> there's uh, metaphorical weather. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And literal. And literal, literal, and literal weather. <laughs> we are in a van a lot of the time, <laughs> driving through all kinds of weather. That's, that's, that's the point though, when I can look and say, is everything all right? You know, a metaphorical storm isn't the happiest thing to, you know, to, to project. You know, what was going on in the background that, that, that you got to say, ugh? You know? Yeah. Life. Life. I mean, sometimes it's just hard to be a human. Yeah. And it's normal. And it's, you got good days and bad days. And that's the honest thing about it. If you want to push it on the rug, you can. But I think it's, it's important to, like, to share it, yeah. you know, and, you know, with our crowds or with music in general, you know. 
wear it on your sleeve. Why not? <laughs> and you don't mind singing it over and over, putting that sleeve out there. Yeah. Do you ever get to a point where you have to act? Do you have to act out the emotions? Are you able to still to kind of cut into all those emotions? I think well, if we ever had to so. act out an emotion, it would be like a red flag. Yeah. yeah. Of like, what's my motivation here? Yeah, I don't Well, think I guess it's because, you, I mean, you guys' live shows have become kind of legendary for as much as you guys put into them and everything. Oh, thank for you. some entertainers, though, that is, that's, you know, they come in and say, this is how you be a rock star. Huh. You know, this is how you do it. And then for some people, apparently, that's, you can't even help it. We're not good actors. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not cool, so. <laughs> I don't think that's right. His mom thinks you're very cool. Yeah, my mom does, too, but that's about it. <laughs> my dad. Uh, well, I, I, I love this record. It is ridiculously good. Thanks Thank for listening to so it. Much. Yeah, it's so great to see you guys again. And, uh, you too. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Right. Thanks, dude. And my thanks to the Lone Bellow, Zach, Kaneen, Brian. The brand new album is called Love Songs for Losers. Thanks to you as well for checking out the episode. Uh, again, please do hit that subscribe button before you get out of here. Three new interviews sent to you every single week. It's a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover the new ones at iTunes and Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Then after that, head over to WFPK.org. Try to do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. An hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews. Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the old social media spots, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all three of them. The address is at Kyle Meredith. I do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. I know, you're sideways too. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media.